The sun was already well up now, and Willikins was keeping them moving at a good pace. Vimes took notice of that fact. The street was talking to him, even if it was in fact nothing more than a wide lane. He nudged Feeney awake. "'Soon be home now, lad, and I think Mr. Flutter can be housed in your lovely lock-up, don't you?' Flutter looked puzzled, and Vimes said, "'Good grief, man, surely you didn't think I could rush you all the way to Ank Moorpork in one go. As it is, I'll have to send someone to get someone else to come all the way down here with the hurry-up wagon. Don't worry, the lock-up is strong and cosy and made of stone plus, and I'm led to believe that this is indeed a big plus, this. Mrs. Upshot will probably make you a delicious bang-suck-muck-muck dog with carrots and garden peas. Speciality de Maisonette. Rank has its privileges, Vimes thought, when he alighted near the old lock-up a little later. Chief Constable Upshot, please settle our prisoner down, see that he gets fed and watered and so on and so forth, OK, and obviously do the paperwork. The what, sir? Vimes blinked. Is it possible, Mr Feeney, that you don't know what paperwork is? Feeney was perplexed. Well, yes, sir, of course, but generally I just jot down the name in my notebook, sir. I mean, I know who he is, and I know where he is, and I know what he's done. Oh, yes, and since the trouble we had with old Mr. Parsley, after he had a skinful, I also make certain the check of the prisoner is allergic to anything in the bang-bang-duck cuisine. It took me all day to clean out the place, on account of there had been a, a tiny bit of winky. Seeing Vimes's expression, he went on, Very popular herb, sir. Abius corpus, lad. You want to be the copper here, right? Then Mr. Flutter is your prisoner. You're responsible for him. If he gets ill, then he is your problem. If he dies, then he is your corpse. And if he gets out and away, then you would find yourself in a situation so problematical that the word problem just would not fit the situation. I'm trying to be helpful, honestly, but I could just as easily take him up to the hall. we got loads of cellars, and we could easily bed him down in one of them, no problem. But then if I have to do that, what good are you? Feeney looked shocked. He pulled himself upright. I wouldn't hear of that, sir, and neither would my ancestors, sir. After all, we've never had anyone who has even been near a murder. Very well, then. Give me a receipt for the prisoner, which is a very important thing, and I'll go back to the hall and have a nap. Vimes stepped back as a riverboat came into view, and a very small tidal wave of muddy water splashed gently on the little quayside. The boat was another one with paddle wheels. Sybil had explained all about them. An ox patiently trod its way around a treadmill in the bilges, and wonderful gearing caused the paddle wheels to turn. The pilot of this one waved at him. As it went past, he saw a woman in the stern hanging out clothing watched by a cat. A good life, at the speed of an ox, he thought, where probably no one is ever going to try to kill you. And just for a moment he felt jealous, while a line of barges followed the boat past a flotilla of ducklings. Vimes sighed, got back in the coach, was driven to the hall by Willikins, and after a very brief shower, sank into the pillows and descended into darkness. People said that these days Ank Moorpork was moving. Others said that while this might be true, so was a sufficiently aged cheese. And like the hypothetical cheese, it was bursting out of its mould, in this case the outermost walls, which were, in the words of Lord Vetinari, a corset that should be unlaced. One of the first to let themselves spread had been Harry King, now of course known as Sir Harold King. He was a scallywag, a chancer, a ruthless fighter, and a dangerous driver of bargains over the speed limit. Since all this was a bit of a mouthful, he was referred to as a successful businessman, since that more or less amounted to the same thing. And he had a knack of turning rubbish into money. 
as Captains Carrot and Angua walked along the towpath towards the reedy swamps downriver, Harry King's flame burned ahead of them. All was grist the mills of the King of Muck. His armies of workers swept the streets, emptied the cesspits, cleaned the chimneys, scoured the middens of the slaughterhouse district, and carried away from those self-same houses all those bits of previously living matter that could not, for the love of decency, be put in a sausage. They said that Harry King would suck the smoke out of the air if he thought they would get a good price for it. And if you wanted a job, Harry King would give you one, at a wage not very much less than you might get elsewhere in the city, and if you stole from Harry King, you'd get what you deserved. The mills of Harry King stank, of course, but now the city itself did not, at least not as badly as it used to. And some people were complaining about the loss of the famous ank pork smell, rumoured to be so strong that it kept away illnesses and ailments of all sorts, and, moreover, put hairs on your chest and did you good. Ank pork being what it was, there was already a smell preservation society. The two watchmen began to breathe less deeply as they approached the smoke and fumes. A small city surrounded the workings, a shantytown knocked together with Harry's blessing by the workers themselves, because, after all, that meant they wouldn't be late for work. A security officer at the gate opened it instantly as they approached. Harry was probably not honest, but if there was dishonesty it happened at times and places that did not concern the watch, and faded from the memory of all concerned just as soon as the ripples of the splash had died away and the tide had gone out. Also going out, as Carrot and Angua climbed the outside steps to the large office where Harry presided over his kingdom, was a man moving horizontally at speed, with Harry King's big hands grasping him by his collar and the seat of his pants, and finally throwing him down the steps, accompanied by a shout of, "'You're fired!' The watchman stood aside as the man rolled down from step to step. "'And if I see you again, the dogs is always hungry. "'Oh, hello, Captain Carrot,' said Harry, his voice suddenly all matey. "'And the charming Miss Angua, too. "'My word, what a lovely surprise. "'Do come in. "'Always a pleasure to be of assistance to the watch.' "'Sir Harry, you really shouldn't throw people down the steps like that,' said Carrot. "'Harry King looked innocent and spread his huge hands widely, and said, "'What? Are those bloody steps still there? "'I gave orders to have them taken away. "'Thank you for the advice, Captain, but the way I see it is that I caught him trying to steal my money, "'and so if he's still alive, then on the whole I reckon we're square. "'Coffee? Tea?' Something stronger? Nah, thought not. But take a seat, no harm in that at least. They sat down, and Carrot said, We need to talk about goblins. Harry King looked blank, but said, Got a few of them working for me, if that's any help. Decent workers, you might be surprised to know. A bit weird in their ways, not the fastest, but once they got the hang of what you want them to do, you can just leave them to it until you tell them to stop. I pay them half what I pay humans, and I reckon they do twice as much work, and do it better. Be happy to hire another hundred if they turn up. "'But you pay them far less than humans,' said Angua. Harry gave her a pitying look. "'And who else would pay them anything at all, love, eh? "'Well, business is business. "'It's not like I'd chain them down. "'Okay, not many people would want to employ goblins on account of the stink, "'but I know by the wrinkling of your pretty nose, Captain, that I stink too. "'Goes with a job. "'Besides, I let them stay on my land, "'and they make those weird little pots in their spare time, "'and I see to it they don't have much of that, "'and when they have enough money for whatever they want, "'they bugger off back to where they came from. "'Young Slick and his granny are the only ones that's ever stayed. "'Gonna make a name for himself, that one. "'We'd like to talk to some of the goblins "'about the pots you mentioned, if that's okay by you, Harry,' said Carrot. "'Harry King smiled and waggled a finger at him. Now, I'll take that from you two, because we've all seen a bit of the world and know what's what. But outside this office, it's Sir Harry, OK? Personally, 
I ain't all that bothered, but her ladyship is a stickler, oh my word, yes. No, so I near, it brings down sparrows, I'm telling you. Still, I can't say it does any harm. Harry King, or possibly Sir Harold King, thought for a moment. Out of interest, why do you want to talk about goblin pots? Angua hesitated, but Carrot said, We are both very interested in goblin folklore, Sir Harry. Harry King chuckled. You know, I never could read your face, Captain Carrot. I'd hate to play poker with you. OK, it's not my business. I'll take you at your word. Just you go down the steps, make your way to the sorting belts and find Billy Slick and tell him that Harry King would deem it a favour if he would be so good as to take you to see his old granny, OK? No need to thank me. I suspect old Vimes put in a good word about me to veterinary when the medals were being given out, if you know what I mean. They say one hand washes the other, but I bet that when it come to old Harry King it adds a scrub. They found Billy Slick stacking old copies of the Ankh-Morpork Pork Times onto a truck. You could always recognise a goblin, although this one, in his grubby overall, looked like any other working man in the place. The only difference was that he was a goblin working man. Carrot tapped him gently on the shoulder, and Billy looked round. "'Oh, coppers! We've come from Harry King, Billy,' said Carrot, adding quickly, "'You've done nothing wrong. We just want to learn about ungu pots.' "'You want to learn about ungu?' Billy stared at Carrot. I know I ain't done nothing wrong, Gov, and I don't need you to do the telling of me, and I wouldn't touch any of those bloody pots to save my life. I'm working my way up, I am. Can't be bothered with fairy stories. Angua stepped forward and said, Mr. Slick, this is quite important. We need to find someone who can tell us about ungu pots. Do you know anyone who can help? But he looked her up and down superciliously. You're a werewolf, ain't you? I can smell you a mile off. And what would you do if I said I didn't know anybody? "'Then,' said Carrot, "'we would regrettably have to go about our business.' Biddy looked sideways at him. "'Would that be the business of giving me a good kicking?' The morning sun shone on Carrot's enthusiastically polished breastplate. "'No, Mr. Slick, it would not.' Billy looked him up and down. "'Well, there's my granny. Maybe she'll talk to you, maybe she won't. I'm only telling you that much because of Mr. King. She's right careful about who she talks to, but you may bet your helmet on that. What do you want to talk about pots for, anyway?' She hardly gets out of bed these days, can't see her doing a robbery. Nor do we, Billy, we just want some information about the pots. Well, you come to the right lady, she's an expert, so I reckon, always fussing about the bloody things. Got a bottle of brandy on you. She's not one for strangers, my granny, but I reckon that anyone with a bottle of brandy is no stranger to granny as long as the drink holds out. Angua whispered to Carrot, Harry's got a huge drinks cabinet in his office, and it's not like this is bribery. Worth a try? She waited with Billy Slick while Carrot went on the errand, and for something to say, she said, Billy Slick doesn't sound much like a goblin name. Billy made a face. Too right. Granny calls me of the wind regretfully blown. What kind of name is that, I ask you? Who's going to take you seriously with a name like that? This is modern times, right? He looked at her defiantly, and she thought, And so, one at a time, we all become human. Human werewolves, human dwarfs, human trolls— the melting pot melts in one direction only, and so we make progress. Aloud, she said, Aren't you proud of your goblin name? He looked at her with his mouth open, showing his pointy teeth. What? Proud? Why the frockle should anybody be proud of being a goblin? Except me granny, of course. Come along inside, and I surely hope that the brandy arrives quickly. She can be fretful without the brandy. Billy Slick and his granny lived in a building of sorts in the shantytown. Willow and other saplings had been liberated from the damp swamps and used to make a reasonably large hemisphere, the size of a small cottage. 
It seemed to Angua that some skill and thought had gone into the construction. Smaller twigs and branches had been interwoven with the structure, and some had, as is the way with Willow, rooted themselves and sprouted. And then somebody, presumably Billy Slick, had further interwoven the new growth, so that, in the summertime at least, it was a pretty good gaff, especially since somebody had meticulously filled most of the gaps with smaller weaves. Inside it was a smoky cave, but the dark-accustomed eye of the werewolf saw that the inner walls had been lined very carefully with old tarpaulin and any other rubbish that could be persuaded to bend to keep away drafts. Okay, it had probably taken less than two days to build and cost nothing, but the city was full of people who would have been overjoyed to live there. "'Sorry about this,' said Billy. "'I can't say that Harry is a big payer, but he turns a blind eye to us snaffling the occasional bits and pieces if we don't get cheeky about it.' "'But you've even got a stovepipe,' said Angua, astonished. Billy looked down. "'Leaks a bit. Waiting for me to solder a few patches on, that's all. Wait here. I'll just make sure she's ready for you. I know she'll be ready for the brandy.' There was a polite knock on the door, which turned out to be courtesy of Captain Carrot, who was on his way back with the brandy. He carefully opened the battered and many times painted outside door and let in some light. Then he looked around and said, "'Very cosy!' Angua tapped her foot. "'Look, he's even jigsawed broken bits of roof tile together to make a decent floor cover. There's some thoughtful construction going on here.' She lowered her voice and whispered, "'And he's a goblin. It's not what I'd expected.' "'Got bloody good hearing as well, miss,' said Billy, re-entering the room. "'Amazing, innit, what tricks us goblins can learn. "'Caw, you'd almost think we were people.' He pointed towards a hanging of some sort of felt that obscured the other end of the room. "'Got the brandy wine? Off we go, then. "'Hold the bottle out in front of you, that usually does the trick. "'Officers, the lady ain't my granny as such, she's my great-granny, "'but that was too much of a mouthful for me when I was a little kid, "'so granny she became.' Let me do the talking, cause unless you are a bloody genius, you won't understand a blind word she says. Come on in, quickly. I've got to go and make her lunch in half an hour, and like I said, you've probably got until the drink runs out. I can't see a thing, said Carrot, as the felt somberly swung back behind them, and Angua said carefully, I can. Would you be so good as to introduce us to your great-grandmother, Billy? Carrot still fought for any kind of vision, but heard what he thought was the goblin boy speaking, although it sounded as if he was chewing gravel at the same time. Then, after a sense of movement in the darkness, another voice, crackling like ice, answered him. Then Billy quite clearly said, "'Regret of the falling leaf welcomes you, watchman, and bids you give her the bloody brandy right now.' Carrot held the bottle out in the direction of Billy's voice, and it was swiftly passed on to the shape beginning to form in front of him as sight trickled back. The shape apparently said, according to Billy, "'Why do you come to me, policeman? Why do you need help from dying lady? What is Ungu to you, Mr. Policeman? Ungu is ours, ours, no good for you here, big Mr. Policeman.' "'What is Ungu, madam?' said Carrot. "'No religion, no ringing bellsy, no knees all bendy, no chorus, no hallelujah, no by your leave, just Ungu, pure Ungu.' Just Ungu, who come when need, little Ungu, when gods wash hands and turn away there is Ungu, who roll up the sleeves. Ungu strikes in the dark, if Ungu doesn't come himself, he send. Ungu is everywhere. Carrot cleared his throat. Regret of the falling leaf, we have a man, a policeman, a good man, who is dying of Ungu. We don't understand. Please help us understand. In his hand he is holding an Ungu pot. The screech must have echoed around the works. It certainly made the little shack rock. Ungu thief! Pot-stealer! Not fit to live! 
Billy translated with every sign of embarrassment. The old goblin woman tried to stand up and sank back into her cushions, muttering. Angua tried, "'You are wrong, old lady. This pot came to him by chance. He found it. It is the pot called Soul of Tears.' Regret of the falling leaf had filled the world with noise. Now she appeared to empty it with silence. She said bitterly, and come to that curiously, considering the fact that her great-grandson had said she didn't know much, Ank Morporkian, "'Found in Goblin Cave, oh yes! Found on end of shovel, oh yes! Bad cess to him!' "'No!' Suddenly Carrot was face to face with the goblin woman. "'It came to him by accident, like a curse. He never wanted it, and he didn't know what it was. He found it in a cigar.' There was a pause in which, presumably, the old woman was doing some complex thinking, because she said, "'Would you pay me my price, Mr. Pooldeesman? "'We gave you the brandy,' said Angua. "'Indeedy, wolf-whelp, but that was for consultation only. Now it's price for diagnosis and cure, which will be from the snuff-mill, two pounds of sweet raspberry, one pound of angler's chum, and one pound of Dr. Vary's medicated upright mixture, just the job on a winter's day.' Something like a laugh escaped from the old goblin woman's mouth. "'Glad of the fresh air,' she added. "'My laddie gets around and about and says you are trustworthy, but goblins have learned not to rely on words, so we will seal the bargain the old way, which we have all understood since time was time.' The bewildered Billy stood back as a long hand with longer fingernails extended towards Carrot, who spat on his own hand and slapped it with no thought of health and safety onto the palm of regret of the fallen leaf, who cackled again. That can't be broke, that it can't be broke, never. After a moment's hesitation, she said in an offhand voice, Wash hand after using. There was a glug from the brandy bottle, and Billy Slick's old granny went on. A pot of tears, you say? Angua nodded. If so, only one meaning. A poor goblin woman, a starving woman, had to eat her newborn baby because she could not feed it. I hear you stop breathing for a moment. That such things happen? Is awful truth, oh yes. Is often awful truth in bad country when times are hard and food is nothing. And so, weeping, she carved a little ungue pot for soul of her baby, and cried life into it, and sent it away until better times when baby will come back. Quietly, Carrot said, "'Could you tell us anything more, madam?' The old goblin was silent for a moment, and then said, "'Inside cigar wrapped in tobacco? Ask the man who sell tobacco.' Billy turned his granny's brandy bottle upside down, and not a drop came out. "'One last thing, please, madam. How can we help our friend? By the sound of it, he's dreaming that he's a goblin.' Little black eyes shone as the goblin said, "'I trusting you for tobacco, now trusting you for another bottle of brandy.' Find Goblin Cave, find Goblin Maiden. Only such a one will be able to grasp the pot in hope one day of having child. So it goes, no other way. And big problem for you, Mr. Police Man, is that Goblin Girl these days are hard to find. None here, maybe none anywhere. We shrivel and shrink like old leaves. Goodbye until more brandy. No, make that cognac from Querm, special reserve, sixty dollars if bought from Horrid's on Broadway, or two-for-one deal at Twister Boots Bottle Shop in the Shades. Slight taste of anchovy, but no questions asked and unanswered. The old voice went silent, and gently the watchman came back to the stuff of reality around them, troubling images fading into recent memory. Carrot managed to say, 
I'm so sorry to have to ask, but will this harm my sergeant? He seems to be having continuous nightmares, and we can't get the pot out of his hand. Three bottle of brandy, Mr. Paul Eastman, translated Billy. Carrot nodded. Okay. How long pot had him? Carrot looked at Angua. About two days, madam. Then get your man to a goblin cave as quick as you can, Mr. Paul Eastman. He may live, he may die. Either way, three bottle of brandy, Mr. Policeman. Small black eyes twinkled at Carrot. So nice to meet a real gentleman. Hurry up, Mr. Policeman. The old lady slumped back into her mound of pillows and rugs. The audience was over, just like the brandy. Granny likes you, said Billy, his voice full of awe as he ushered them out. I can tell. She never threw anything at you. Better get her the snuff and the brandy pretty soon, however, otherwise she might get a bit stroppy in an occult sort of way, if you hear what I'm saying, or rather, of course, what I ain't saying. Nice to meet you, folks, but old man King doesn't like to see people not working. Excuse me, Billy, said Carrot, grabbing him by his skinny arm. Are there any goblin caves anywhere around here? You got what you wanted, officer. There ain't none as far as I know. I don't care. You could try up country, that's my advice, but I really don't care. If you find a goblin cave on a map, you can bet your teeth there won't be any goblins there anymore, not live ones at least. Thank you very much for your assistance, Mr. Slick, and may I congratulate you on having a grandmother with such a good grasp of contemporary vocabulary, said Carrot. There was a delightful shriek from the direction of the dome, the walls of which were very thin. Damn right! Granny Slick ain't so thick! Well, perhaps we have a result, said Carrot, as they headed back into the city. But, well, I know Ank Morpog is a melting pot of a city, but don't you think it's rather sad when people come here and forget their ancestry? Yes, said Angua, not looking at him. It is. When they were back in Pseudopolis Yard, Carrot summoned Cheery. I'd like you to go and see the tobacconist. Ask him where this tobacco comes from. We know there's lots of smuggling going on anyway, so he'll be worried. It might be a nice idea to take along an officer whose mere presence will worry him a little more. We Mad Arthur is back from leave. Cheery grinned. In that case, I'll take him. He worries everybody.